Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, Chris. And before we jump into the YM Transfer podcast today, I want to let you know about a special deal we're doing at Marathon Youth Ministry with the MYM University. Uh, you might be wondering, what is MYM University? It's our new online community for youth workers and catechetical leaders who want to learn and grow to become healthy leaders. Because one thing that I've learned is that healthy ministries have leaders who are constantly learning more about themselves who are learning more from people inside their field and outside of their field. And Marathon Youth Ministry University provides that opportunity for you to do that. So if you want to grow a healthy ministry and become a healthy leader, you definitely want to get involved in this community. Uh, Now in the month of July, when you sign up and use promo code SUMMERFUN, uh, we're giving you that first month, that first 30 days for free. Usually it's $25 a month or $275 for the year. This gives you uh, the first 30 days free trial, a chance to check it out, to look at the resources, to be involved in the community. And if you like it, great. That's awesome. We continue to grow together. If you don't, that's perfectly all right. We will uh, you know, say no worries, and we would be more than happy to connect with you in other ways. So all you got to do is go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com backslash MYMU, or just go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com, look for the link for uh, MYMU, and use promo code SUMMERFUN when you're signing up. That's right, SUMMERFUN, one word, for your first 30 days free. All right. Let's jump into the podcast. All right, welcome back. Today's guest on the YM Transfer podcast is one of the most creative and passionate people I've ever met. It is the lovely Amanda Vernon. Who is Amanda Vernon? Well, she describes herself, as you'll see in the podcast or here in the podcast, a Catholic evangelist who shares her faith across the country. And she does that in so many different mediums uh, with music and, and speaking. And more recently, uh, Amanda co-authored the memoir, When God Wrecks Your Romance, Orthodox Faith, Unorthodox Story. And in our episode today, we talk a little bit about that. Um, We actually talk about several things. We talk about her story into ministry. We talk about the story behind the memoir. Um, And we also talk about uh, coming from a place of privilege and using your gifts and talents. Uh, What, again, I love about Amanda is her enthusiasm, her heart for the Lord, but um, also her heart for meeting other people. Uh, It doesn't matter if you are a seven-year-old kid or a 90-year-old person, uh, she wants to connect with you, and she has so much to share. And so I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. So without further ado, here is Amanda Vernon on the YM Transfer Podcast. Amanda, how are you doing? Thank you for joining the show. Uh, Hey. Things are going well? Yeah, things are going great. Just right. uh, soaking up the intense summer of Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, man. Yeah, intense. So when you say intense, uh, what are you describing? Like, what's the temperature? <laughs> it's the- like a high of 107 today, okay. I would say. And yeah, I think yesterday was maybe 111. So okay. yeah, the sunshine is just the most, the most brilliant. <laughs> I, I like that brilliant, right? Because it's uh, <laughs> it talks about the intensity and not necessarily in a negative light. <laughs> you are not, though, a native of the Southwest, correct? 
Correct. Right. I've been here a couple of years, but I grew up in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Michigan specifically, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So what would you say is worse, uh, the um, cold of Michigan or the heat of uh, Phoenix? Okay. I don't want to say that either the cold or the heat are worse per se, but I would would say that the heat of Phoenix gives gives me a little more flexibility. So there are like three hours that are just – amazing like in the early morning even through the summer but you just i just you just have to get up with the sun and be outside then and then it's it's warm it's not too hot i can go running i can take the kids to the park for an hour and so you can still have like this um less intense experience (laughs) but in michigan when it's like freezing cold there's it doesn't matter what time of day or night you go out like the air will hurt you you know so there's no escaping you know what as someone who loves the cold weather you actually made a very good argument uh for the heat because there is (laughs) a little bit of reprieve you know from relief from uh from the heat um right i was experiencing it just recently i was in las vegas and i know exactly what you're talking about now where that like six to eight thirty nine o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning, even if it's going to be a hundred something, it's it's a cool like eighty or seventy five degree exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so I enjoyed that. Um, you know, here in Baltimore, we we experience the humidity. All right, um, it's like actually ninety three degrees right now, but the heat index is supposed to be like a hundred and three. And so mm. it's just trying to remember. Uh, the Vegas weather and, and decide what I prefer, <laughs> which is neither. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's funny. Uh, we, we started this conversation with something that I feel like is the universal kind of icebreaker, which is weather, right? Um, yeah, totally. Temperature. Um, in fact, I had a neighbor uh, who I don't see a lot walking by yesterday as I was bringing my boys back from the park. And he, it was the conversation started was the weather because it looked like it was going to storm. Um, but um, and, and I feel we've talked enough times where we, we should just surpass the weather and really uh, jump into things, right? So, uh, yeah, we're still human. We're, we're still human. We're still human. We're still weather, bound by God's creation. Weather is like the number one topic on our minds most of the time, unless we're both mega sports fans or, or uh, political heads. But, uh, but weather is a little less po- polarizing. But anyway, um, jumping in, uh, Amanda, you and I have had the opportunity to talk uh, several times, but for some of my listeners who might not be familiar with you, why don't you uh, just tell a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah, thanks. So I'm a Catholic evangelist. I'm a wife to David. I'm mom to four children, ages eight and under. And um, my life is spent telling people about my experience of God in the church. And I do that through music. I've been a professional recording artist for over a decade, almost two decades. And I love being on stage. I love sharing stories with people. Uh, But when I can do that to specifically shed light on the beautiful experiences that I've had, uh, being Catholic and really listening to the Holy Spirit, from a very young age, man, there's there's nothing more fulfilling to me um, than than being able to really 
share that truth with people in a, in a way that I hope is really beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. That's really cool. I, I liked how that was the first thing you used to describe yourself with as a Catholic evangelist. Um, it, was that intentional? Is that something uh, that you've always kind of practiced in regards to? No, that's, that's pretty new, actually, those words for me. And it's something that I've really discerned with my husband over the past mm, few years. I felt a little bit restless in ministry, but I think I was trying to find a balance between like entertainment, which I do and I know how to do. And I'm really comfortable entertaining people, like even in like the secular music industry. And then over here doing, doing ministry at parishes and youth groups and diocesan rallies. And so I just really felt convicted lately, especially after I released my first book to take my ministry to the next level. And I realized if it's going to be next level, then I have to think about it differently. And I, and I need to find new words for it too. So that's really what I believe the Lord has given me is, is that understanding of his call in my life right now is to be a Catholic evangelist. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and that, and that's perfect kind of to talk about what, what you're currently working on. And one of the things I love to do in some of these interviews is actually work backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying like, how did it all start? Yeah. Let's talk about where you are. So the latest project that you're working on is, uh, is it, well, and I hate to just sort of narrow it down to this book because sure. it's a little bit more, but it, it started a little bit with this book of when God romance, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, so Give us a little bit uh, of what that is, what you're currently doing with that, and, and then we're going to dive backwards to how it all, all began. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So When God Wrecks Your Romance is a co-authored memoir that I wrote with my dear friend, Father Matt Face, and we talk about growing up together in Michigan, really being drawn to each other as kids having our own ideas of what our relationship ought to look like and then um, finding just with some heartbreak and a lot of laughter that the Lord had quite different plans for us. Um, So we're able to speak from the point of a lot of like sort of um, dreams and plans that didn't work out. And yet we can point to how the Lord brought something so much more beautiful from our story than, than we could have imagined. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, it's an interesting story because when I first saw it, I was like, I mean, and I'm sure this has been kind of the reaction to some people, right? It's like scandalous, right? Like, you know, <laughs> there but, is, um, there have been a number of people who are like, what are you doing? <laughs> right, right. You know, it's because like when I was writing Rebuilding Youth Ministry, I was like, well, you know, there's other youth ministers who want to build their, their ministry, but, um, story of two people who uh, are in love with one another, but have this calling to something very different. And, um, you know, as the subtitle says, which, which I love it, Orthodox faith, unorthodox story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it definitely has you curious as to like, okay, I'll bite. I'll, I'll look into this. You know, <laughs> oh, uh, you know I, I'm, I'm not necessarily a romance novel sort of guy. That's not what this is about, right? It's like, not that kind of romance novel. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not a Nicholas Sparks uh, notebook sort of. It's, it's, um, uh, TV it's sort not of that. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not Hollywood. Um, and it doesn't have the kind of happily ending that 
you know, concludes with, and they lived happily ever after, you know, as they ride off into the sunset together. And yet, uh, we've found that the story for for us uh, is is so happy. I don't know if that sounds like um, trite, but it's true. And and we're able to, I think, show others who might not have had any sort of experience with, with this kind of story, right? Maybe, I mean, there certainly are those who, who do, who know, who know this, who have lived this, who are priests or who, um, you know, young women who, whose boyfriend left them because he's like, I gotta, I gotta answer this other call sort of thing. Um, but there's still, I think at the heart of it is this, this joy that is found in seeking God's plan for our lives over what we might initially think that we want. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's true, right? It's not about what we want. It's about if we want joy, right? God's joy. It's, it's about looking for something that sometimes is beyond our, our understanding. Right. Um, and, and going beyond that. Um, it, 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 well, Man, there's so many places I want to go. So, all right, kind of going back to writing this book, right, and going mm-hmm. on this journey. Obviously, you've lived it out, but you and Father Matt, right? Um, uh, how did the idea of the book come, or not the idea of the book because you were living it, but <laughs> what, what, like, tell us, tell me about the discussion that you had in regards to actually writing the book was, was, or telling the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was that yours was that his was it just kind of uh, was it your husband's right. I mean yeah it well you know I want to I want to say it was originally Father Matt's idea not not in the the final product of actually having a book that we can hand to somebody but even back when he was a seminarian and I was engaged to be married to David we had this conversation between the two of us that was really painful about our feelings for each other and where God was calling us to go. And um, there's a lot of heartache in it, but there was a moment where we prayed together Mm. and I was saying like, I'm choosing David, I'm going to go get married. And I think you're going to be a priest, you know, if that's what you continue to follow. And after our prayer, uh, Matt, then the seminarian, Matt, he took this deep breath and he said, well, maybe we'll give talks together someday. <laughs> and okay. I was like, we're 21, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think in that was this sort of prophetic word that the Lord gave him in that moment. Like this story isn't just for us to experience, but somehow we're going to be sharing this with mm-hmm. others someday. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward 10 years and now my career is telling stories. And, and so when I had the opportunity to write a book, that, I, that seed was already planted. Like, mm. oh. Remember maybe, when you said. Yeah, yes, exactly. This was your, in, in a way you have that scapegoat, right? This was your idea, remember? I totally go back to that all the time. Uh, he started this and he's like, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's so interesting. That's so true. Um, you know, and, and so um, with, with the book um, and everything, uh, when's it supposed to come out? When can people start getting it and uh, accessing it? Yeah, so actually our book is already released and people nice. can access it on our website, when God 
wrecksyourromance.com. There are various formats. So we have the paperback that we could send out or also the audio book that people can download and listen to instantly. Nice, nice. And, uh, and, and in addition to this uh, too, you guys are going around and speaking about it, right? Right. So Father Matt is uh, a religious within the congregation of Holy Cross. And so he has his full-time ministry of being a campus minister at a university, but then he has permission to travel like a few times per semester to go and give talks. And we're starting to get parish missions together. And, but like now the requests are pouring in, which is a blessing, but they're way more, way more than the scope of his like obedience to, to accept. So we're really, I'm just like, keep putting that in God's hands. And I, and I know that his, congregation is aware of that so we'll, we'll see how and if the lord is calling us you know in the future mm-hmm. to be able to to go more often um but certainly it would be always within that blessing of his community and also within the really the blessing of my like my husband and my family as well right Right. Well, yeah. And it creates a new tension, right? So here you are embarking on this journey to share a story, a story that needs to be told, a story that needs to be heard by a lot of people. And with it comes uh, a lot of, a lot of affirmation, a lot of, you know, blessing and everything, but at at the same time, there's also sacrifice with it. Right. So, um, you know, not just father Matt with his congregation, but also you with your family. Right. And, uh, um, you know, it's one of those things where, Though fortunately, you've had this kind of experience being a musician of going out on the road and everything. And I think there's a lot of um, youth workers, a lot of people in parish ministry, right, who um, find that balance, that tension between um, throughout their calling. I don't want to say between Mm -hmm. our vocation, right, throughout our calling. Yeah, that's well said. Of how, like, how do I balance time for my family? versus time for my job um, slash ministry. Um, what, what does that look like in your home? And uh, like, how, how did you guys, you know, just if we can even go back, you know, further to when you and, and your husband David were, mm-hmm. um, you know, embarking on your, on your marriage, like um, what that conversation looked like of the balance between job and family. Right. Yeah, that's such a huge topic, Christopher, like, because I think for those of us who are in ministry, as as you said, it's not like a separate thing. Like it's God is calling us forward to serve him. And we serve him through our vocation of marriage and this for me. Um, But then how do I then share the fruits of my vocation? Um, so it's very interconnected and for, for David and me, we, we really, um, identified that we, we were entering even into a dating relationship to serve the Lord. Like, in fact, David, David, he said to me, I'd like to start a relationship founded on God, a dating relationship founded on God. And I remember thinking like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. And so even back then, like he, he knew like this was, this was going to be rooted in the Lord. 
Mm. But then as we got married and as we said, well, what are we going to do professionally? Like I really firmly like at the start of my marriage laid down all of my like career aspirations, all of my desire to do ministry, like everything that I had brought to that point. I laid it down at the foot of the cross. And when I approached that altar to get married, I said like, this is like the death, like this is like the death of myself as like a single person. Mm. And this is the birth of our marriage. Right. So whatever the Lord wants to resurrect will be awesome. But whatever stays in that season, I'm, I'm like laying that at the foot of the cross. Now that sounds incredibly awesome. Um, but like, what, how, how did you come to that? Like, was that through, I mean, I, I would mm-hmm. assume through prayer, but like, yeah. uh, were there people you talked to? How, how'd you? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I was, I was really blessed to grow up in such a vibrant parish that really emphasized the Holy Spirit, like listening to the Holy Spirit and God's call for each person that each of us have a, a, a specific calling for our specific gifts. Um, not only, you know, like, will you call, be called to be married or will you be called to be a priest, you know, or right, like a sister, right, right. but like, how is God calling you to use your gifts to bless mm-hmm. others? And so, first of all, I had that foundation like in my family life and then within the parish. But then, you know, I I always was drawn to the parallels between religious life and marriage. I think that was certainly providential. <laughs> but um, I I heard about there's have you heard about this, Christopher? The the Room of Tears in the no. Vatican. No. Yeah. So there's something called the Room of Tears, and it's like this little chapel, and it's where the the Pope will then the Cardinal goes to pray before he becomes the Pope. Hmm. So they give him some time in the room of tears. And like, I heard about this before I got married and I thought, Whoa, like how many tears were shed for this man who's called to, to, you know, to become the, the leader, to step into the footsteps of Peter of, of the universal church. And I thought like, I'm going to do something like that in the sense of I'm going to go into this space in my heart and I'm just going to lay down my entire life. Yeah. And so when I walk down that aisle, like this is the, this is the fresh new start. Like the the Cardinal, he goes in wearing the red of the martyrs and he comes out wearing the white of the resurrected Christ, the white of the Pope, you know? And so that's what actually we did that before our wedding. Like we both had at separate times a rosary that we prayed in the Eucharistic chapel. And I wore like a different, a different shirt, like the green shirt or whatever. And then I went like after my rosary changed into my wedding dress. And then mm-hmm. David also, he went in there and had a rosary with his groomsmen right before our, our wedding ceremony actually. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. It makes me want to go back and redo <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, but um, you know, you think about it, and it's so beautiful to think about like how we um, need to mourn, right? We mm-hmm. mourning is a beautiful thing. It's a it's a letting go to embrace, you know, the vision that God's giving us, and like what you're describing here, um, you know, even with the Pope, it's like there is a there's a burden, but a joy filled burden too right. to, to leading the church. There's a burden with with marriage. 
but there's a joy-filled burden as well, you know, with, with, with becoming one with your spouse and it's the same thing with, with parenting. And, And I don't think we always allow ourselves to, to like let go of that and to make that change. And I think the same thing happens you know, even with our, our, our jobs or our vocations and, and our careers, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that's something that you guys are, are starting to experience now with, with going on tour and it's like there's a change coming about. Yeah, yeah. So that's, a, so that's what I was thinking that I think taking the time to sort of grieve, I don't know if grieve is the right word, but yeah, maybe mourn that, like this, the change of the season, you know? Um, and sometimes even those tears are so joyful, but it's like admitting this is a big change, right? And being able to do that at the onset of our marriage really set the tone for these different seasons that we've been through now in almost 10 years of being married, like just ready to, to give up one season and to move into the next. So when David and I, decided to, for instance, to pursue ministry full-time together, both of us, um, that was a big leap of faith in, in some respects, like going without a consistent paycheck, without being, you know, an employee um, and being entrepreneurs, but using it for ministry, like that was a big deal. But we have also tried to face each juncture with that sort of sense of like, okay, we're leaving something important behind. And yet it's because the Lord is calling us to something even better for this season. Right. Right. No, definitely. Definitely. So as a Catholic evangelist, um, you know, you're, you're going around, you're, you're sharing a specific story now, but, um, and I would say, even though people might not call themselves that there are several Catholic evangelists out there, right? Um, uh, people who are going and, and uh, publicly speaking, um, sharing their story and everything. Um, uh, what do you, what do you think, um, what do you feel like is one thing that has been your single biggest challenge um, in regards to going around and, and spread, spreading a specific message to people? Like, what do you feel like is, is the hardest thing about getting that message out? Mm. Well, I think the, the, the hardest thing about it is that stands out to me is like sharing. <laughs> and that's right now it's, it's, it's sharing ministry with father Matt because for so many years I traveled just by myself. I was on stage right. by myself. And so my husband would be holding down the fort at home with our little kids. And I'd be like, okay, babe, I'll see you in four days when I come back. And so it was almost like, there are a lot of elements of the single life that I'd be living when I was out on the road, as far as my own schedule, my own, my own sort of um, idiosyncrasies that nobody challenged. Okay. But now in this season for me, as an evangelist, I'm being called in many instances to share the message alongside my dear friend, Father Matt. And it's so, so exciting, but it's hard. Like it's hard for me to, trust the Lord in that like group dynamic all of a sudden. And it's, I didn't expect it to be a challenge, but it's like a different approach. And so 
I think for those who, you know, who work in, in a team setting on in a parish staff um, or who, who are maybe moving from like being like the only youth minister to like developing a, a leadership team or a core team, I wonder if maybe they experience that same kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm no. not the only one in running the show. Well, no, I mean, it's true on many different levels, um, you know, and especially though I can imagine what you guys are experiencing might be a little bit more complicated because it's not like one of you is uh, a supervisor for the other person. This right. is a partnership, right? So, mm-hmm. so what are some of the things that you guys are doing to um, make sure that there is harmony in, uh, in the way that you present? Yeah, well, so what Father Matt and I are doing right now is taking some time to really have honest conversations and like deep prayerful discernment about what God is calling us to say and how he's calling us to say it. Whereas it's my inclination just to go, like just to schedule events, just to show up, just sing some songs and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Father Matt's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and I think that question is so good. and. To, to say, hey, how is this working? Can we evaluate it? And taking a little bit of a slower approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband has been so affirming of that choice. And he's like, yeah, babe, I think you need to let me know what you're hearing in prayer. And I'm here to support that and to, you know, also to, to ask me questions about it. But I think going a little more slowly than i'm used to (laughs) is gonna be a blessing in the long run yeah yeah well yeah when you work with a team it is at a slower pace because or it's really a different pace it's Mm -hmm. um because you're trying to figure out other people's styles and that can relate to the traveling thing um when i travel by myself i have a routine and i I live it out to the t and and even when my wife travels with me now Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, she's like, Chris, don't forget I'm here. If the plane goes down, you're going to have to think about me as well. And I'm like, you're right. I can't be selfish anymore. You take out an earbud. You're like, what's that? What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm listening to my song, hon. As the plane takes off, don't talk to me, you know. But that's not being sensitive to the other person. Right, right. You know, but that's an important thing about collaboration, right? Whether you're collaborating over parenting your kids or you're collaborating over a presentation or at work. Um, it's not so much uh, the default is to go to our selfish desires or to our yeah. our comfort zone. Yeah, comfort level, really. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but really, what um, we're supposed to do is 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 listen first, right? Listen to what um, other people are doing, and not just because that's what the selfless thing to do or the right thing to do. But you know, the more we can listen to others, right? The better we get at listening to God and vice versa mm. um, mm-hmm. and, and listening outside of ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great uh, point. I want to, I want to get back to um, go back to your ministry days when, when you were a teenager in high school and everything. And you, mm-hmm. you talked about that you grew up in a parish that was really good at, at helping you experience your gifts, right. And say, use yeah. your gifts for God's calling to your life. Um, were there specific people in particular that really invested in you um, that led you along this path um, of musician and speaker and mm-hmm. evangelist? Yeah, absolutely. My strongest mentor at my parish and just in my life in general was 
uh, Deacon Ken Baldwin, and he was our high school youth director, actually junior high and high school youth coordinator. And he was phenomenal. Like many people called him the grandfather of youth ministry in our diocese. And now you can see that so many of the teens who grew up under his mentorship have gone on to be diocesan youth directors across the country, are leading youth programs in their own very vibrant parishes. Our priests have beautiful families, like are in leadership in the church. And he, uh, he, he just, just had a gift of, of connecting with youth. And I remember he told us around the time of confirmation preparation, he said, um, be careful when you're choosing your patron saint or your confirmation name. He said, because when I chose my saint, I just kind of flipped through the saint book and landed on a page. And he said, I chose St. John Vianney, who turns out is a patron of the poor and of youth and he's like staring at us and we're like in this like urban parish, all these like mm. <laughs> urban high school students staring back at him. He's like, so yeah, just watch for that. Yeah. That's <laughs> so awesome. he was just humble and yeah, incredible. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. So uh, what was your confirmation saint then? Uh, my confirmation saint is St. Margaret of Scotland. Okay. And so she helps transform the country of Scotland through beauty and she she dealt with a lot of men who were kind of barbarians <laughs> and she encouraged them to um to really find a self-control through mm. through the through the Holy Spirit. And she had a bunch of kids. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so you're dealing with barbarians or are you saying that- <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, that kind of made no me comment laugh, but I do, I do end up being surrounded by a lot of brothers in the faith, mm-hmm. and I have three brothers of my own biological brothers, but right. that tends to be a theme for me, yeah. Well, if we can dive into something sensitive, you know, it's like um, the church is very patriarchal um, for many different reasons, and, um, you know, even though you are a speaker and a musician i'm sure there's there is that the challenges right that uh, that a woman faces in regards to busting out in this world and having credibility right it's like i can only imagine what that's like because you know i'm only a lay person you know i i, I hit all the other points of privilege in the church <laughs> except for the fact that i'm not clergy um so i can only imagine what it's like for someone like yourself who is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, when you were talking about St. Margaret and bringing harmony to the country mm-hmm. and everything like that, I was like, you know, I was like, okay, music, there's that, but there's so much more even with your story. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've come to, to see um, privilege. This, you're right, this is a hot button <laughs> topic. But I come, okay, so as, as a person of color, as a woman, obviously as a lay person, I see privilege as taking many forms. So okay. there's privilege in the sense of like social, our social construct of, of privilege, but there's also just our unique gifts that are privileges that God 
gives to different people yeah. in different ways. And we all have our own gifts. Right. So when I see somebody like, like Father Matt, who is ordained, so he has this, this formal calling in the church. Uh, I see that really as riches that he's been mm-hmm. given, but he's been given those riches to share them, right. like not to, not to hoard them, but to, right. to give them away. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I see myself as part of the church as the recipient of that gift and like how it plays out specifically in, in my life is that father Matt's really helping my husband and me to have a stronger ministry to reach more people because he's, because father Matt's lending his voice, yeah. you know? And so for me as a laywoman, I think part of my calling is to help others identify their gifts. And that includes mm-hmm. and that includes the clergy to say, hey, like look at these gifts that you've been given. You wanna, mm-hmm. wanna share that over here? And sometimes yeah. that um I feel like I have a gift of really empowering others, even those who already might have that privilege to see it in a new light and to be called to share it with those who are really in need of those same blessings. Yeah. Well, yeah. And as you were talking, I was like, oh man, it's the parable of the talents, right? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you might, you might get, even though that's more focused on money. um, If you look at it like gifts or, or blessings, right. Um, You might have 10,000 blessings, 5,000 blessings or 2000 blessings. But if you don't take risks in sharing that, if you don't put that to work, and you're just like the the last servant in that parable who's squandering it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, playing it safe, and and yeah, I mean that it is a challenge, you know. But something I think we all need to do is to look beyond ourselves to say, okay, how am I taking what God has given me in my life and using it well and mm-hmm. uh, expressing it there? But at the same time, you know, how can I use my gifts, or how do I have to be aware of my privileges and not, you know, um, ignore the fact that other people might not have what I have or the Mm. access that I have and everything. And, um, you know, it's just, it's an interesting, not just in the church, but just in our country, you know, nationally, it's just looking at, um, you know, ways that we can go beyond ourselves and and go back to that word of discomfort. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and really learn more about who is around us and how, you know, we can be be blessed. It's not just me, you know, figuring out how to share my gifts with you, but also how (laughs) to be blessed by your presence as well, you know, and that's, that's a trap of privilege, right? Saying like, I have all to give. I'm going to give (laughs) you have nothing to give in return. (laughs) I think that our faith has so much to say about that. Like Mm -hmm. realizing that, all of the gifts that I have have been given to me by God. Like mm-hmm. that, I think, can help us from, from falling into that trap of like, I have all of these gifts. Yeah, right. well, yeah, but like, where'd you get them? Right, right. <laughs> and, exactly. and, it, and knowing that the same Lord who has given me the, whatever gifts I have has blessed you know, my neighbor, you know, and that that the Lord who is present to me is just as present to each and every person I encounter. So while our gifts look different, the spirit who gives them is just as present. And I think that really helps 
um, to have that, what do we call it, Catholic imagination, <laughs> mm-hmm. to be able to kind of keep ourselves in check and also to honor those we're, we're working with and ministering right. to. So let's look at uh, your, your gifts for a second, right? So there's the, the apparent gift of, of your musical talent, right? Like, uh, you know, I always tell people, if there was a, a natural talent that I wish I could p- pick up, it would be singing because, um, <laughs> you know, I feel like I can figure out the mechanics of all the sports and, and arts. And, I, you know, I play piano and gu- guitar and everything like that. But singing, you know, as much as I've tried, man, <laughs> it's just, it's horrible. So... Like you have this natural gift of singing. Uh, how did it? How did it occur to you that this was that this was special? That this was mm. unique? Um, yeah. Hmm. I think just sharing that gift helped me to see that it was a, a unique um, ability, because you know, like when you grow up in a musical, I grew up in a musical family, okay. and so we just always sang around the house. So that right. didn't seem special really or unique but then when I would share that gift when I would sing a solo or take time to to you know lead something for youth group then other it was it was really interacting with others who would say oh wow like that really touched my heart or that really stood out to me I've never heard anybody sing like that here and it it was sort of their their receptivity to my gift that helps me recognize it. So going back to what you said, it's not just about um, our, our own giftedness, but also recognizing others, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> their, yeah. their gifts. And so others, you know, they, by being open to my gifts, really helped me to see and appreciate what the Lord has given me. Right. Now, something like music, is a recognizable gift, right? If mm-hmm. I hear someone sing or, you know, playing an instrument or sports, right? There are uh, apparent gifts there, but what, what gifts would you say, um, what other gifts would you identify about yourself that maybe mm-hmm. weren't as natural to share or as easy to share? Um, you know, like, yeah, well, I th- <laughs> one gift that I'm, seeing now which I still kind of feel awkward about is like speaking because <laughs> okay. I, I I was just talking with the priest about this who's a tremendous preacher and I'm just kind of resisting becoming a speaker like I don't want to introduce myself as a speaker and I feel like there's a lot of pressure and he told me he's like yeah well singing is something that a lot of people would love to do and speaking Mm. he said people can appreciate it can admire it he said but there he told me he said that there was a list in psychology today of like people's top five fears Mm. and um and the second of fear was death (laughs) and the number one was public speaking right people would rather die (laughs) than get up in front of a stage yeah yeah (laughs) it blows my mind no no I've heard that so many different places as well. Um, so are, are you, would you say you're introverted or? Uh... No, I'm actually quite an extrovert, but I've, I've been trying to really ask the Lord what that is. And I, and I think my hesitation is not so much about speaking. It's about teaching. It's mm-hmm. about st- standing in front of someone, saying the words, and then, being so bold to say I have a lesson to share with you. Like that makes me tremble. Like I 
am scared about that because of the responsibility that comes along with it. Um, Is, and are you, yet, <laughs> are you afraid that someone like might reveal you as an imposter? No, no. I'm afraid that I might lead someone astray. Mm. Uh, I'm afraid that I might be like somebody who's a poor teacher who is focused on themselves. I don't, I just, I'm so, that makes me so nervous. And yet it seems like the Lord is calling me to just speak out, to share my story, but in a way that's at a new level where I can actually say to my listener, how is this applicable to your own life or what could you take away? Like give them something to take with them. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's how my gift of faith is being called to, to, um, to be spread, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging one for me right now. No, well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what are, what are some of the ways that you're investing in your public speaking or helping you, um, overcome some of those challenges? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the ways that I'm sort of overcoming like the, the challenges of, of speaking out, uh, one is just practicing it just like I did with music. Like I think the more that I shared my songs, the more I was able to, to gauge how others were receiving it. And so the same with speaking, like I started a new YouTube series called word for the week where I just share what I heard at mass this Sunday, how it affected me and what I think the Lord's calling me to do about it. So just getting, getting used to just being open with those faith experiences and putting them into words. But then I'm also going through um, some coaching sessions with a really phenomenal uh, priest who's a, an Augustinian religious. And then, and then lastly, what I mentioned earlier about taking some time to slow my pace a little bit. I'm, normally I'm on the road 15 days of the month. Mm. Yeah, your eyebrows just went way up. Me too. Uh, they, it's a lot, right? Just, just slowing it down a little and taking the time to really ask the Lord, what are you calling me to say? What can I give people that they can take with them when they hear me? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost this willingness to be vulnerable and allow the spirit to speak through you, right? Um, and uh, and sometimes, you know, as a speaker, whether uh, I'm speaking to a group of students or, you know, um, at, in my parish or, you know, on, on the stage at a conference, it, I have the script, I have the genesis of what needs to be said, mm -hmm. how that comes off, it, it really is a surrendering and, and relying on the Holy Spirit um, in that regards. And, and so that's- Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. And I, and I think, I, I mean, I know that I've done that with music because my dad always taught me if you're going to be singing, be praying at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And so I know, I know how to, to do that. I know how to pray through song. Um, but maybe that's one of the reasons why the Lord is calling me into this new season. So I don't get too comfortable. Like I know how to pray. Right. <laughs> right. I got this listening to this spirit thing down. Just listen to me sing. Nah, no, like even my ability to pray is a gift. Like my right. ability to think of the Lord is only because 
the spirit is first moving me. So mm. just trusting that in a new expression of the spirit that that God will be just as generous and just as gentle with me as yeah. well. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So let's let's jump back into the book, right? Um, you and Father Matt uh, face are going around. You're speaking. What what are you hoping? like comes of it like what 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 is what is the ultimate win um in sharing Mm -hmm. the story Mm -hmm. yeah really the heart of the the message is divine providence and you know that's not a phrase that i hear too too often um but it's it's such a rich way of describing god's sovereignty in our lives so as we share how we can look back and see that God is in control of all of our, of all of the events of our, of our lives, mm-hmm. um, yet while giving us free will, like, right, it's like it's mind bending. Um, but to realize that God has the ultimate say of how things turn out, of bringing good out of every situation. Um, mm-hmm that others could then look at their own lives and say, oh, wow, looking back, you know, this, this heartbreak that I went through in junior high or some dream that I gave up uh, at the end of high school or, you know, a path that I was happy to take in college. Like those moments that stand out in our memories are, are filled with God's grace and that we can look back and recognize that even if at the moment we couldn't see it, that the Lord was with us like yeah. if we can help others to to have that same joy of that that hope man mm. that's um that would be accomplishing our goal no that's that's definitely true um who who have you felt like this uh story has impacted the most like is there a, a, a is it you know teenagers adults mm. specific people um who are really resonating with what you guys are sharing yeah, it seems like our our story has connected with a a pretty wide age range. I'm thinking of like grandparents who have come up to us after events or down to like little kids like seven years old. Mm-hmm. This little girl's like, Can I read your book? I'm like, Well, you might want to check with your mom first. You know? Have them <laughs> but <read> I <laughs> Yeah. But I think it seems that teens are the most enthusiastic. And I don't know if that's just because teens are the most enthusiastic because they are, or if it's that this story in particular is resonating with their hearts the most. It, mm-hmm. it does have so much to do with our teenage and young adult years and going through those really pivotal choices of like, where are we going to spend our, our lives? Who are we going to spend our lives with? Um, that those same choices that that teens and young adults are facing. So mm-hmm. I think it's maybe offering another way or another path that that some teens haven't thought of yet. Like, oh wow, I could ask the Holy Spirit to like help me in my relationship with my boyfriend, like right now. <laughs> and and so that I, I see the light bulb like turning on like yeah. above their heads, and that's then really rewarding. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, sometimes they have the enthusiasm, but also like what you guys are sharing, it, it, it goes back to what you said that um, there are these things that in our lives we want to work out in the way that we want them to work out, but God's got bigger plans and the frustration yeah. for 
right, is the fact that um, it's not working in the way that I perceive, but I somehow have to let go and trust, right? It comes back to mm, trust. Yes. That what God's calling me to do is going to be bigger than this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, a couple of more questions, uh, just uh, some questions I like to ask people I have on the show from time to time. So this is going to be a total turn, but um, okay. so you're someone who travels and mm-hmm. when you're traveling, uh, what are like three items that you need to have on your journey? Like, are there three consistent items that, that you either pack, pick up at the airport or, you know, I'll, I'll open it up, even habits that you do that. Yeah. Are, yeah. Right. Um, something I need to bring with me is uh, peanut butter. I bring my own travel peanut butter really? and chocolate. Can I bundle those? As yeah, yeah, one? that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Cause like at the end of like, after I give a presentation or something that is like, I open the jar of peanut butter, I put the chocolate in and I just scoop it out. It's my personal okay. jar of peanut butter. Oh. It's like my comfort food oh. to bring with me. So that's one. The second is sunglasses. And I don't, I wear sunglasses in the airplane because then I can just sleep and I can just kind of not engage as much mm-hmm. because I, ha- I found that I, I have, I guess, a very approachable manner. And yes. so <laughs> if I don't really kind of put up some physical expression of, mm-hmm just being blocked off and invariably lots of people talk to me so that helps me use my sunglasses and then let's see what else do i need on the road um oh i bring my liturgy of the hours book it's kind of smaller it's called the the what is it shorter christian prayer which i think is funny it's my shorter christian prayer book you should just call it liturgy of the minutes right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, and I've had it since I was 18 and it's all mm-hmm. like the binding is getting right. like ruined cool. and there's writing all over it and dates and everything. But that's like really keeps me grounded when I'm mm-hmm. out on the road to, to maintain a consistent prayer schedule. And then, but also just to have like the tangible, mm-hmm. you know, reminder of all these years of following the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So last question, uh, is if you were a superhero um, and you had superhero powers that you could only use in ministry, what would those powers be? <laughs> you could only use in ministry? Mm-hmm. I was going to say shine, but I feel like that's kind of selfish. <laughs> well, I, I used to ask that question, just what the superhero power would be. <laughs> and then everyone was saying like flying, invisible, go through walls. And then Kristen Fisher, one of my guests, she said um, the ability to spray deodorant on middle school students at a, oh because she works with middle oh school students. Oh my goodness. And I was like, you know what? That I got to narrow this question admirable. because that's the, that's the best answer ever. That um, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm going to get really sappy now. Um, but I feel like the, the ability to like melt, um, like insecurities away <laughs> okay because people especially i'm thinking about teens to come into the room with just this like oh i'm too cool for school and just build up this like mm-hmm. hardened mm-hmm. exterior and you know like working in in ministry sometimes it takes so long to get past that that right, like you're like oh right, and i have right. five minutes left to text you right right but if we could just somehow like melt that away and right. just like allow them to know that they're safe in the Lord's presence and like they are loved just the way that they are. 
Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I, I'd hire you right off the bat to be one of my uh, <laughs> lead <leaders. laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, Amanda, this was incredible to have you on uh, the show. And again, uh, you know, uh, you've got the, um, uh, the book is out. Um, and if people want to read, reach you more, they just go to your website, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. com. you can find the book there. And then there's also going to be links to, to check out my music and to, uh, you know, to bring us in to talk to, to your teams or your parish as well. Awesome. 